Welcome to Broken Catholic, the show where I chat with Catholics, Protestants, atheists, and agnostics about why the world isn't working right now, and tackle unspeakable topics that many of us secretly struggle with but won't admit. If this is your first time joining us, thank you for being here. And if you're one of the thousands of people who listen to this show every week, I just want to tell you that I appreciate you joining us every single week. I know you can spend your time elsewhere, and you're here, so thank you for that. I'm your host, your coach, your friend, Joseph Warren. I'm also a broken Catholic and former atheist. And I believe that Christians are all the same in our struggles. We all worship the same God and we all want heaven. And that is more important than the differences in our theology. This show was created for you, the believer or non-believer who is struggling with the question, what on earth am I here for? Today, our featured guest is Kyle Bell. He's a deacon. He's in seminary. He's going to be a Catholic priest. And I know what you're asking right now. You're saying, Joseph, like who actually becomes priest nowadays? This is 2018. Like, are you kidding? Like, how does someone get to that? Like, as a man, I'm a man. Like, how do I wrestle with that? We're going to get into Kyle's head and ask about his faith journey. How did God call him to give his life in complete surrender to God and to God's church here on earth? So Kyle is a seminarian uh, for Catholic Diocese of St. Petersburg um, here in St. Petersburg, Florida, and he studies theology at St. Vincent de Paul Regional Seminary, and that's down in Boynton Beach where Kyle now lives. Um, and the rector there, the head rector who is in charge of Kyle and all the other deacons is a good friend of mine, Monsignor David Toops. This guy is epic. He's legendary. Kyle, your boss is a legend. So Kyle, welcome to the show. Go ahead and fill in some of that, uh, the gaps in that intro and just tell us a little bit about you, bro. Well, sure, Joseph. Thank you. Uh, well, first of all, uh, thank you for having me. Um, it's a pleasure and an honor to be on this, this podcast. Uh, and, and yeah, I mean, my story is really, um, really starts when I was a little boy, you know, I, was raised uh, in a in a Christian home. Um, raised going to church every Sunday. Uh, uh, my uh, my parents uh, both instilled in me um, the importance of of faith, of of, of prayer. Uh, I don't really ever remember a time when I didn't believe in God. Um, uh, my ideas about him were maybe a bit, you know. I wouldn't say childish, maybe a little childlike, you know, um, I get that. Yeah. Uh, you know, like uh, old man in the sky kind of, kind of God, you know, uh, he's there. Um, I'm here. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Um, I, I, I mean, I guess one thing that makes my journey a bit uh, unique amongst my brother seminarians is that I in fact was raised Methodist. Um, I was raised Protestant. See, I um, didn't know that. Oh, okay. There you go. There yeah, you cool. Go. Yeah. So that's, that's actually perfect, right? And we're going to jump into your story in a second. So sure. my next question uh, literally is take a minute and share something personal with us that very few people in your work life, I guess as a deacon, uh, know about you. Hmm. Well, let's see. Something very personal. Uh, you put me on the spot. Uh, well. That's um, what I do. It's my Yeah. Job. Yeah. Um, well, I guess you said, you said work life. So as a deacon, um, as someone who, you know, people see me. Yeah. On Sundays up, up on the altar. They uh, see the deacon, the deacon version of Kyle Bell. Right. Right. Exactly. Something personal they don't know about. Right. And, and uh, people can oftentimes kind of think that, 
well, you're up there. You must, you know, love uh, being in front of people. You must mm. love, you know, but I'm actually a very shy person, uh, mm. a very shy, very introverted person. Um, and, uh, and yeah, and so it's taken a while for me to get comfortable in my role as a public person, you know, um, but that's literally putting on the face of Christ, right? When you go and amen, amen, yeah. people. So like, I get that. And dude, I relate and resonate like painfully, right? Because that was my number one fear. I used to have panic attacks when it came to public speaking, sure. like massive nasty panic attacks where I had to do the fight or flight and get out of the room. Um, and I had to face it. I had to face it head on. And oh, yeah. that was the superpower that God wanted me to develop. So right. you yeah. never know what God's going to do with that. Exactly. I really commend you and- for uh, facing it. Yeah. And for me, it's really, it's kind of less about to be, to be fully transparent. I mean, it's, it's less about public speaking as much as it is um, like a, like a, a true shine, like growing up, like in high school, college, I was the guy who I, when, when, when I went to a party, I'd be the wallflower, you know, <laughs> but, but, you know, on Sundays when you walk into coffee and donuts, if people want to talk to you, you can't be a wallflower. You, you gotta, you know, uh, and so, and so really, I think, like you said, it's been the Lord more than anything. You know, it's not like some sort of self-help book has helped me with this. It's been the Lord's grace. Um, and I really point to, you know, my confirmation coming into the Catholic church is like the, the starting point, you know, is like, that was the, the day when the Holy spirit just flooded in. And I can look at that as like, that's the starting point of this tremendous growth in me where I still get uncomfortable sometimes when I got to walk into a room full of people I don't know, but, but I know that he's going to be there with me throughout it, you know, and it's okay. It's okay. if The conversation is a little awkward, you know, (laughs) he's with us in the awkwardness, you know? Yeah. And thanks for sharing that. Cause that's so human, right? It's like, uh, you know, sometimes we take it for granted what it's like to be a priest or a deacon out there in front of the entire, you know, congregation, right? Sure. Hundreds, uh, sometimes thousands of people, and they're all just staring at you, like on <laughs> transform my life, right? Change my life. And you're like, dude, <laughs> it's not me. I'm not the source. I'm not the origin. I'm just a messenger. So, exactly. Kyle, let's get down to business here. Why do you think the world isn't working right now? Yeah, you know, I thought about this a lot in the past couple of weeks, especially, especially with, I mean, uh, the, we all know the Parkland shooting happened recently. Yeah. And that, that school gotcha. is only, that school is only about half an hour south of the seminary here. And uh, you know, I know some seminarians who ministered to, to folks who were affected by that shooting, you know? Mm. Um, I know some priests who were, who ministered to folks. And so, so yeah, it's been a big question for me. And you know, that shooting, it happened, not just on Valentine's Day, but on Ash Wednesday. And, and I remember when I first got the news about the shooting, I just, this very human, human reaction. I was emotional, you know, I, the number of people killed, 17 was just, it just, it was like a gut punch. And I remember I put my head, my hand to my forehead, just kind of in just this, this disbelief. Mm. And then I pulled my hand away and I saw the ashes from Ash Wednesday. And I thought, this is us. This is our brokenness. This is our sinfulness. You know, mm. how, how could this happen? Well, you know, how can, how can any evil happen? It comes back to the fact that we are in need of a savior. Mm. We are sinful, broken, fallen human beings. And, you know, uh, I don't know what was in this man's heart that did this this young man, this 19 year old, 
but I do know it's in my heart. And I know that, that I need to go to confession. And I know that I need to, uh, need to own up to my own sinfulness. And so when you ask the question, you know, what's going on in our world? Um, I come back to that, you know, my, my, uh, my kind of modus operandi is, you know, who am I to, to expect someone else to change if I'm not willing to change myself? Who am I to expect someone else to have their house in order if my house is not in order, you know? Man, that's so difficult, you know, to take full ownership of mm-hmm. I'm the reason, right? C.S. Lewis says it, you know, when they ask, oh, why is the world not working? And he answers, I'm the reason the world's not working. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. It, it comes down to taking personal responsibility, whether you're part of the problem or you're not part of the solution. Right. Which by default makes you part of the problem. Yeah. So if you're yeah. not out there working actively to bring Christ present, into the world, Christ's love, his, his forgiveness, his transformation. That's what this show is all about. And I'm doing my little small part uh, to do that, right? To bring Christ into, into society, into the business community. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's just that, I think that's what we're called to do, right? Oh, yeah. So, so speaking of that, you said you grew up in Methodist. Uh, there are more than 30,000 different Christian religions right now on planet Earth. Mm-hmm. Kyle, why do you think the Christian world is so divided well, the simple answer is it goes back to like the answer to the last question, our, our sinfulness. Um, you know, throughout Christian history, there's been so many divisions, so many arguments, so many fights. Um, and I mean, the Reformation itself started not so much because of a theological difference, but more because of the fact that the Catholic Church was dropping the ball in a lot of ways. Um, Priests were dropping the ball in a lot of ways. Christians were dropping the ball in a lot of ways. Yeah, there was a lot of abuses happening at oh, the yeah. time. And the church itself needed reformation. And what started out as good, mm-hmm. I think the enemy came in through a crack. Sure. And he loves to do that. Um, and so why, why are there so many different denominations? You know, I mean, yeah, I, that was a question I had growing up Methodist. You know, I mean, I remember on our street, the street where my Methodist church was, there was our Methodist church, but then there was a Lutheran church next door, a Baptist church next to that, a non-denominational church next to that, um, some other kind of church next to that, a synagogue next to that, you know, it was like, and then the Catholic church was down the street a little bit, you know? <laughs> like, I'm, I'm so confused. Like, right. it's like walking into a McDonald's and picking off the menu. There's right. too many choices. Right, right, exactly. And, you know, I think of, uh, you know, the great Catholic writer, Peter Kreeft, Dr. Peter Kreeft, um, was asked one time, um, you know, what, what can we do or what do we need to restore Christian unity? And he said, well, you know, we, we all need to be saints, uh, whatever definition of that is. He said, can you imagine if we had a world full of St. Francis of Assisi's? Or can you imagine if you're a Methodist, a world full of John Wesley's or a world full of Mother Teresa's, you know? Or Billy Grahams. Or Billy Grahams, exactly, exactly. passed away. Right. Um, Lives that are in full surrender to to God. Exactly. If Christians all over the world were truly friends of Jesus Christ, Mm. friends of Jesus Christ, then these divisions 
I won't say they would melt away because the divisions are real. Sure. But we would get to the heart of the matter, which is who is Christ himself. Um, and yeah, I mean, that's that, 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 that's just my humble opinion, you know, yeah. uh, I'm just a transitional deacon, you know, I, <laughs> I'm, not exactly, I'm not exactly a theologian here, but, but yeah, I mean, Jesus Christ is at the center. The, he has to be at the absolute center of any kind of unity of Christians. If not, then what are we doing? We're just nice words. Yeah. I, I think you're nailing it spot on, right? It's, and it's all coming back to, again, taking personal responsibility. If Jesus Christ is not at the center of my life, mm-hmm. that's why he's not at the center of my family. That's why he's not at the center of my church. That's why he's not at the center of my community and my society and my, you know, country, etc. It all starts with me. Right mm-hmm. there. And it starts with you if you're listening right now, BC Nation. So, by the way, BC Nation stands for Broken Catholic Nation, right? All right. Yeah, that's, that's what we are. So, you're going to hear me refer to you know, my listener as BC Nation. So, Kyle, it's easy to say, to, uh, it's easy to know that, to know of God, mm. right? To know Him in our head, but never come to know Him personally, like mm-hmm. in relationship. When was the first time you experienced God in a real, tangible way? Paint us a vivid picture and tell us that story. I remember when I was in college, I went to Florida State University. And when I was a sophomore, I was part of a campus ministry that was run by the Baptists. And, you know, the Baptists, they are very good at preaching the simplicity of the relationship with Jesus Christ. Like that's, that is, they are excellent at that. They are so good at that. Um, And I remember, I mean, like I said before, growing up, I I always just believed in God and I always knew that Jesus was my savior. Sure. Yeah. Um, But it wasn't until there was one night, it was a Tuesday night. We had on Tuesdays, what we called encounter. It was a basically a praise and worship session with, with a, with a, with a little sermon. And there was an altar call at the end and I went up and I had accepted Jesus as my personal Lord and savior before it was kind of one of those things Protestants do, (laughs) you know? Um, But that night was different that night. And what made it different was that I, whatever it was that the sermon had been, whatever the scripture had been, I don't really remember this was, I think, 2003, must have been. I was acutely aware of my own sinfulness. I was acutely aware of my need for Jesus. Mm. But I was also aware that his love is so much more powerful than my sinfulness. And that mm. his acceptance of me unconditionally was so powerful. And that with that, was a call to action. Hmm. So I was accepting Jesus as my personal Lord and Savior. And at the same time, he was, it was like he was taking my hand and leading me into a whole new life of discipleship, a life that would eventually lead me 15 years down the road now to, to about to be ordained a priest. But I didn't know that then. But and a Catholic priest. And a Catholic priest at that. Uh, but, uh, but yeah, it's, and so for me, it was 
that night becoming, oh, cause I, I, I had always known I was a sinner, you know, and I think that a lot of people know they're sinners, but I, I don't know how many people truly know that God loves them, that Jesus mm. loves them. And there are people who on the, are, are on the other extreme, you know, oh yeah, God loves me, but I'm not really, I've done, not, done nothing wrong. Uh, you know, but I wasn't one of those people. I was, I, I was very aware. <laughs> My so you were. weren't a Pharisee is what I'm hearing you say. <laughs> no, <I'm kidding. laughs> cool. uh, we, so, we all have our Pharisaic tendencies, Joseph. <laughs> yeah. So, so let me ask you this, right? Cause you're being real, you're being raw and human. And, and I really appreciate that. Right. So I just acknowledge you for doing that because, you know, BC nation is listening right now and going, man, Kyle, I totally get what you're saying. Like I'm broken. I'm a sinner. Mm-hmm. And what I'm hearing you say is that, God loves me even past it, right? Mm-hmm. It's like that day when you accepted Jesus as your personal Savior, Lord and Savior from your heart, he also accepted you, right? Mm-hmm. And, and there was this co-acceptance that was going on and he accepted you in sonship, mm-hmm. right? And then bringing you into discipleship. And that, that's just so powerful. So let me ask you this. If you were being 100% transparent right now, in what area of your life do you struggle to trust God even still? Mm. As one about to be ordained a priest, mm-hmm. an area, the number one area, would have to be that, you know, there, there's still lingering questions, doubts, you know, about my own sinfulness. Um, questions, will I, Lord, will I be a good priest? Will I be a holy priest? Will I be, even something as simple as will I be happy as a priest? Will I get lonely as a priest, mm-hmm. you know? And, you know, Joseph, I, in my most lucid moments when I'm, you know, when I'm, when my heart is matching up with the head, yeah, I know, of course, the Lord's going to be with me. And I know that he, he's been faithful to me my entire life. And he, you know, even when I've gone through times of, of, of the valleys, you know, he's been with me and he's pulled me out. But, you know, the, I have that head knowledge, but the heart knowledge sometimes doesn't match up. You know, mm. if I'm going through a, a tough time or if I'm, uh, if I'm trying to, if I'm not living in the moment and I'm trying to look and say, okay, what's my priesthood going to look like 10 years down the road? I have no idea. I don't even know what my first mm. parish assignment is. <laughs> and so, and so it's, it's when I, when I try to construct in my own imagination, my future, that's my own imagination. And that's necessarily divorced from God. Yeah. God, I, we had a professor here who said, you know, God does not live in fantasy. He lives in reality. And yeah. so, and so to truly know God, you got to be present in the present moment. And so when, when, when I struggle with trust is when I get out of that present moment and I try to project forward, you know, what's, what's my priesthood going to be like five years, 10 years, 15 years down the road. I think that's powerful, right? Because it's like you surrender to God, you give him your life completely and to his church, right? Mm -hmm. And it's like your brain, our minds are constantly fighting to take back the control of our own life, right? And and Mm -hmm. it's not even realistic. We're trying to control uh, uh, a future that we don't even see. Right. Rather than like facing the reality that we can see, right? To your point, exactly. So you have found your purpose, clearly. Mm-hmm. It's to be a Catholic priest, to be a shepherd, to minister to God's children. Why do you think that 90% of people are struggling to find their purpose? Oh, man. 
You know I'm giving you the hard questions. You are. You, handle you it, are. Man. You are. You're in like final year of seminary, so you need to step hey, up. Yeah, time. you know. Yeah. <laughs> hey, this is this is like taking my comps all over again. Let me tell exactly. you. Exactly. So why do you think? <laughs> why do you think ninety percent of people are struggling to find their purpose, Kyle? There was an ancient philosopher. I can't remember who it was, or it might have been an, an inscription on some philosophical school. But this famous saying, "Know thyself." Mm-hmm. Know thyself. I think that that a lot of folks don't know how to truly do. Don't know how to do true introspection. Don't know how to uh, to truly. We would, in Catholic language, we would call it discernment. Um, so, like to sit with themselves. To sit with themselves. I mean. Obviously, as a Catholic, as one who's going to be ordained a priest, I, I, I always want to bring God into it pretty quickly. But trying to talk to a world that, that, that doesn't have that language. Yeah, sure. You know, to so try just from and, a straight human perspective, like how right. would you say it to a kid who says, I don't believe in God, but I want to find my purpose? I would ask him, what brings you joy? What, what, no, I'm not talking about having fun. I'm talking about what brings you true joy, brings you true peace. When you say joy, do you mean like what lights you up on the inside? I mean, how do you mean it? I mean, what, what when you do it or what when you experience it makes you emotionally just go, ah, like I found it. This you is know? it. Like this is it. This is it. Um, if only I could do this forever. Right, right. And then try to find a way to pursue whatever that is. And like I said, I'm not talking about, you know, just something that's just fun. You know, I'm talking about something that we're talking about at a true deep level here. But that, that's also tough. You know, when I say that, I also realize that a lot of folks maybe just might not, might not have that even kind of emotional awareness, you know, to know like what, what exactly. does that for me, you know, or, or every day is just kind of, you know, ho-hum, you know. Yeah. So how do they accelerate that and get to that in your opinion? Oh man. <laughs> I, it's, 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 it's gotta be Joseph. It's gotta be stepping out of your comfort zone. You know, it's got, it's gotta be, it's, it's like in, in, in Catholic vocational language, we talk about the priesthood as being uh, like, I'm, I'm marrying the church, you know? Um, if, 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 if I was in college and I'm now, you know, in college, I told you I was a wallflower. If I was, if I went to a party and I wanted to approach a girl, but I just stuck at the wall the entire time, there's no way I'm never going to know if this girl's for me, this girl is going to, you know, be a girlfriend material or even wife material, you know? Right. You um, didn't create the space for that to happen. Exactly. So you're, so you're in order to do that, I got to step out of my comfort zone. I got to yeah. take a risk. Um, got it. So try new things, create the space, learn to sit with yourself quietly and ask yourself these real questions. Like what the heck lights me up or sit quietly with God and say, God, what did you create me to do? Sure. Sure. Sometimes we don't face that, that, that simple thing right there. So I think you're hitting it spot on. Now I think it's human to let's go the opposite of what we're talking about. Cause we're talking about, you know, find your purpose and that's the idealistic thing. I think it's human to experience a crisis of faith. Hmm. right to be in depression to have that high anxiety like i don't know if i believe in god or something traumatic has happened to one of our listeners what do you want to say to the person listening right now who has given up on god or is about to give up on god kyle what do you want to say to them Hmm. 
couple things. First, I would say, I'm, I'm picturing this person in front of me right now. Uh, first, Perfect, I would say- Because they're listening right now. Yeah, yeah. Your words. First, I would say that I cannot imagine what you've gone through. I cannot imagine the pain that you've gone through, the pain that this situation, whatever it is, is causing you. I cannot imagine that. But we have a savior who was alone on the cross, who was rejected on the cross, who felt that God had forsaken him on the cross, who went through every injustice, every indignity we can possibly imagine. He knows what you're going through. He's with you in this experience. This crisis of faith is, is an invitation. It's an invitation to deepen your friendship with that God, with that Savior. And you're not going to find him by fleeing from it. In fact, he wants to find you right where you are. In your brokenness. In your brokenness. In, in your self-doubt. suffering, in your self-doubt, in your heartache. Because that's where he wants to heal you. And so every person's journey is going to be different. It's hard to, you know, if I had someone in front of me, I would then ask some follow-up questions. Or yeah, sure, sure. But, but, uh, but yeah, generally, um, Jesus Christ is with us in our darkest moments. And in fact, he hangs out there a lot more than, than we like to, because that's exactly where he uh, does his best work. That's, I, I think you just said it so brilliantly. It's like, that's where Jesus wants to meet us mm. is in, in the darkness is in our brokenness is in the times when we retreat in the times when we don't want him around, or we feel we're not worthy mm -hmm. of being loved. We feel unlovable. I've gone through that my whole life feeling I wasn't worthy of love sure. in those very moments in that heartache, that that's where God wants to meet me. He doesn't want to meet me when I feel like I'm conquering the world, right? Because the only thing he's meeting is not me, it's my ego, mm -hmm. right? He wants to meet me. When sure. the ego is stripped of me and I, I feel broken and lost. Kyle, what's your number one fear about God that really messes with your head, some, your head sometimes? Mm -hmm. Number one fear about God. Number one fear about God would have to be well, it's a fear. It's, I know it's not rational, <laughs> but, uh, but I, I have this, I don't know how to say it without telling a little story. So, so we, we just had our comprehensive exams. And um, with that, it's this like oral, this series of oral exams. It takes all day. Um, and it, you know, it's, it's like, you know, it's kind of a big deal. <laughs> this is going to decide, you know, Hey, did you learn anything in seminary? So, uh, so you you want to do well. And, you know, leading up to it, I was so nervous. And, you know, people would tell me, oh, you got nothing to worry about. Don't be nervous. Don't be nervous. Don't, don't, don't worry. Don't worry. And, uh, and I hated that. <laughs> I hated being told, don't worry. Because I was like, no, no, I, 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 I'm worried. This is how I feel, you know? Yeah. So what happened? Well, I took it to my spiritual director and he asked me, have you, have you asked, have you talked to the Lord about it? Have you brought this to prayer? And I said, you know, honestly, I haven't. And the reason was, here's where I get to the fear. I had a fear 
that the Lord was going to say the same thing to me that these other, that these professors and friends of mine were saying, don't worry, don't worry. It's all right. Don't worry. You're like, it's not what I want to hear right now. Right. I, I was, I was afraid that the Lord would not take me seriously. Like, like what, what, what frustrated me about people saying, don't worry, was I felt like they weren't taking my, my, my emotions or my, my existential worry seriously. Um, they weren't taking, it was a kind of a selfish thing. I would, I would take me seriously. Right. It's like, don't diminish what I'm feeling right now. Right. Real right. Feelings. Exactly. But then when I took it to the Lord in prayer, he, what I felt him saying was, yeah, you worry. Okay. Yeah. I mean, sitting in front of those boards. It's going to be tough. It's going to be lonely. I was alone on the cross. Mm. So I'll be there with you. Mm. And so completely blew that fear out of the water. Like he wasn't saying, don't feel this way. In fact, he was saying, yeah, feel this way. And I'm here with you. So why do you think that fear still shows up for you? Um, I, I think that that fear shows up mainly because because I have lingering doubt about myself. It goes back to something I said earlier. Um, I have lingering doubt about myself, about my own ability, about my own sinfulness, my own ability to even do something as simple as pray. And when that doubt creeps in, I, it's almost like I forget who God is, forget um, about, I forget this person, this, this Trinitarian person that I've gotten to know throughout my entire life. I forget him. I forget what he's like. And uh, it's difficult to see God when you're focused on you. Isn't when I'm na- yeah. When you're navel gazing, you can't look across, <laughs> you know, <laughs> when you're looking down at your belly button, it's right. difficult to look up at God and <laughs> for the love and mercy and forgiveness that he is. Bro, Amen. thanks. Seriously. Thanks for going there. That, that's like powerful sharing right there, you know? And I know BC nation, you're having a breakthrough right now. And I know God's reaching into your heart right now through Kyle's words, you know, and, and right now Kyle is my hero because he's sharing, Hey, here's the hole in me, you know, that, that only could be filled by God. Mm. And uh, you have a hole in you as you're listening that only could be filled by God. I have a hole in me. I have 52 holes in me that only can be filled by God personally. Kyle, what's the best faith advice that you've ever received, sir? Best faith advice I've ever received Live in the present moment. Boom. Love it. Share with us one of your daily habits that helps you to win in your spiritual life. Drink coffee in the morning and, <laughs> and immediately after say, say the morning, say my morning prayers. <laughs> Got it. Got it. Yeah. So connect with God and connect with caffeine. That's Kyle's Amen. winning formula. I love it. <laughs> That's hilarious. Kyle, what is the one thing? you want the world to know about having a relationship with God. And we'll finish on, on this note. Your relationship with God will take you to places you never thought possible. It'll be the best adventure of your life. And you won't regret a single moment. Love it. BC nation. If you are joining us right now, we are speaking with Deacon Kyle Bell, 
Deacon Kyle is a uh, one-year-out seminarian. He's a year away from being a Roman Catholic priest. He studies at St. Vincent de Paul Regional Seminary in Boynton Beach, Florida. And Kyle is a rock star. I love it. Kyle, this is my favorite part of the show here. Welcome to the confession round. Oh, man. See what I did there? I do. Okay, so I'm going to ask you 12 quick-fire questions, and you'll have three seconds to answer each. Don't overthink it. First thing that comes to you. Are you ready, sir? Ready. Kyle, what's your favorite sound? Uh, my mother's voice. Love it. What's your least favorite sound? My alarm clock in the morning. <laughs> Got that. When you were a child, what did you want to be when you grew up? Indiana Jones. That's awesome. <laughs> Kyle, what are you most afraid of? Uh, failure. What did you spend way too much time doing during your 20s? Uh that was before Netflix, uh, eating. <laughs> eating too much, got it. What secret fear do you have about God? Uh, that he won't be there for me. Got that. What do you wish you had learned sooner about God? That he would be there for me, always. <laughs> Love it. <laughs> See how simple faith is? Amen. You just, you just nailed that. What is a new habit you want to form? Uh I would like to add a second uh, examine to my day. Uh, the Jesuit examine. I already do one, but I'd like to add another one. Was that just a prayer? It's it's the, the examine prayer is like the examination of conscience consciousness. It, like it's not just what if I committed any sins, but how have I been responsive to the Lord today? Okay, so, so cause, causal analysis. Right. Like, I, already, I already do one at night. I'd know, like to do one in the morning too. Got it. What's a bad habit you want to break? Uh, Netflix. <laughs> Got that. Yeah, BC Nation, that's all of us. Okay. <laughs> I'll pick three words to describe who you are now. Uh, transitional, deacon, excited. <laughs> that's cool. Pick three words to describe who you were before you experienced God for the first mm -hmm. time. Wandering, lost, hopeless. Got that. Imagine sometime in the distant future, and there you are standing in front of your tombstone. Read to us what it says on it. He was a good priest, he loved his people, and he loved Jesus Christ. Got it. And last question, Kyle, if you could come back to life after you died and God gave you the power to perform only one miracle for your family or friends, what would you do for them? I think I would, uh, well, yeah, my, my, my mom has, has a lot of health issues right now. I'd, I'd probably heal her. Love it. So Kyle, um, you're awesome. I just want to say that, you know, you've been so real today and, uh, I just want to acknowledge you for giving your heart, um, to, uh, broken Catholic nation, um, and for giving your life, uh, to God's children and his church. And, uh, we just want to salute you for that. You're going to be an amazing priest. Um, I just, my gut tells me so. <laughs> and uh, Kyle, thanks for joining us today. And we wish you the love, forgiveness, and transformation of God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Cheers. BC Nation, imagine if you could find your purpose in the next 30 days. Head over to brokencatholic.com and I'll show you how. And while you're there, shoot me a quick question or a comment. That's brokencatholic.com. I'm Joseph, Mar Joseph Warren and you were made for greatness. So stop being a wuss and start being a winner. Have a blessed day, and I will see you right back here next week. Cheers.